Oh, good morning. Okay, I turned it on. There we go. Okay. Sorry about that. Uh, like Mike said, uh, we're in the middle of a series called Connect. And so what, what we want to do is we want you to call this place home. We, we want you to live in it, to experience in it. And so uh, if you haven't been here the last couple of weeks, uh, you can actually go to our website, which is lighthousecoc.com, and you can actually listen to the previous lessons. Uh, the first topic or the first lesson we talked about is connecting with God. And what it means to connect with God is in a way of trusting with God. And rather than thinking in terms of what I've earned or what I've deserved, but, uh, you know, really just connecting with him and appreciating what comes from his good hand. We talked about Matthew 20, staying in a vineyard. And then last week, Mike did an amazing job, uh, amazing lesson about connecting as a, a, as a physical family. You know, the balance between uh, truth and grace. And so today... We're going to talk about uh, a spiritual family. And so we're going to have a heart-to-heart talk, okay? I, I rolled up my sleeves for this. And uh, if you're new here, uh, we want you to feel connected. We want you to just sit back, relax. I mean, this, this lesson is, is mainly geared for us as, as members. But it's good for you, too, because it's important what you, for you to understand what a spiritual family looks like. You know, because... Why do we show up here at, at 9.30 in the morning for this? What is this? And so we're going we're gonna to discover, we're going to see what Jesus talks about. Because what he talks about, he, we're going to see in a minute here, is that your spiritual family is more significant than your physical family. And if, you're, if that's offensive to you, it was offensive way back then. And so um, we're going to dive right into this. But before we do, uh, let's pray. Because I need prayer, and you need prayer, and we all need prayer, right? Uh, Heavenly Father, uh, we, I just, we just come before you, and we, we need you. We need your presence every day of our lives. And I just pray right now that you just open our minds, clear our thoughts. There's so much distraction, God, and help us see you right now, God. I pray that we can connect with you, that we can connect with each other. Just help us to see what it means to be a part of a spiritual family, God. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 And so before we jump into like what a spiritual family looks like, we got to do some background. We're going to do some history, okay? And so uh, can we lower this? I was kind of, you can't even see. So in in the ancient Near East, it it was something called a strong group society. Can you say strong group society? society? Right. And so a strong group society meant that you're, your identity was founded in the relationships of a group. And so you have a strong group society versus a weak group society, which a weak group society is living your own dreams and following your own path. And so, you know, you have kind of like the Disney world view versus the culture that was in the Bible. And so this right here mattered because you were a son and a daughter of, of somebody. Genealogy mattered. Your identity was embedded in, in, into a, a group. Your blood ties were so important because that was the central of your identity. 
And so whatever it came to the, the good of the group versus the good of the individual, the good of the group always won. And so for us as rugged, you know, American individualists, this sounds horrifying, right? But we have to understand these were set of values that, that the Bible was written into. Unless we, we draw them out, we just look at the, the Bible as just a bunch of individual stuff. And so we take a scripture like Romans, you know, put on the former of God, and we think, oh, that's just written to me. No, that, that's written to a church. See, almost all the yous are plural in the Bible. And so you take a scripture like, you know, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Well, that's written to a church. And so it's not about you. It's about you and a community of Jesus. And so in the ancient Near East, the family was a center organized unit of society. And it wasn't just your family. It was your extended family and your ancestors. I mean, the family was a centered way of life. And thirdly, that the family was centered on the father. That the father was the, the, the patriarch. I mean, he was the, the, the hub. He, he had absolute authority. I mean, literally under Roman law, the, the, the father had like, you know, the power of life and death. Well, that would scare us, you know? But the, the, the father, he, he arranged marriages. He, he did everything. And so if you're a son or a daughter of, of a father, you had three responsibilities. The first responsibility was to honor your father. And by honoring your father, you're honoring the, fa- the family name. The second thing is that you, you, you did the will of the father. Whatever the will of the father is, you did it. And the, and the third thing is that you, you bared more children. And by bearing more children is that you're furthering the, the family name. And so your, your wife and your, your, your work, all that facilitated this. And so you, your blood ties were so, so central. I mean, your, your ultimate allegiance was to your blood family. And so if you're a child of a father, you're, 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 the, the father's blood mattered. It mattered so much. It mattered more than just your spouse and your children. It, it mattered it was founded in your brothers and sisters. And the reason it, was, it mattered because your brothers and sisters is because it, it, they shared the same DNA as a father. And so you have a quote like this that says this, the relationship between siblings is the closest and strongest and the most intimate relationship in the ancient world. Why? Because you shared the same DNA as your father. Okay, so relevance is coming, okay? It's gonna make sense here, so bear with me. But I, but I want you to understand that the... the the sacred obligation of, of Judaism next to Yahweh was your loyalty to your parents. It was loyalty to your family. And so when Jesus comes around and says stuff like this, I just want you to understand just how crazy it is. When Jesus says, my father is always at his work to do to this very day, I want you to understand Jesus says, God is my father. He starts calling God my father. And so, I mean, who had the ultimate allegiance of a, a strong group society? I mean, what, what group was the most important finding your identity in? And so what he's doing is he starts relocating things and saying that Abba is now my father, is now your father, and my disciples are your family. And I just want you to understand just how scandalous this would have been. 
to the Middle Eastern culture where your identity was your family. See, back then, they didn't have, like, individual, like, social security cards and individual license or resumes or individual, like, graduations. You, you were known by the, the son or daughter of your father. Or you were known from the place that you were from. Take Jesus, for instance. Jesus was Jesus Bar-Joseph or Jesus son of Joseph or Jesus of Nazareth. It wasn't just Jesus. And Christ, by the way, wasn't his last name. I'll just make that clear. He wasn't born Mr. and Mrs. Christ. Okay? But notice, notice how radical this is because take this, for instance, okay? Luke 8. It says, now, now Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him. And Mark's gospel it tells the reason they came to see him is because he, he, he was out of, they thought he was out of his mind. He, he was embarrassing the family. And so they tried to take charge. And look, look at what it goes on. It says, it says, but they were not able to get near him because of the crowd. Someone told him, your mother and brothers are standing outside waiting to see you. And he replied, my mother and brothers are those who hear God's word and puts them into practice. Now, if you're Mary... And the rest of the family, how, how stoked are you with that answer? Zero, right? And so what Jesus is beginning to do, he, he's redefining the social group of your identity. Namely, you know, it's not your biological family, but it's this kingship family that's evolved around him and his disciples. And so what we're going to do, we're going to look at a, a kind of about five or six or seven scriptures just saying the same thing, okay? Because, again, relevance is coming in 15 minutes, so just bear with me, okay? You guys with me? So let's look at Luke 11. It says, as Jesus was saying these things, a woman in the crowd called out, blessed is the mother who gave you birth and nursed you. And he replied, blessed rather are those who hear God's word and obey it. You kind of see the theme so far? And so we can talk for hours about a strong group society versus a weak group society. And I'm just brushing over it because I don't even think you're that interested in it. But, but I want us to understand, we, you and I, as a weak group society, we emphasize more the needs of the individual rather than the needs of the group. That's just the way it is. And so I want you to understand just how offensive this is. I mean, it's offensive to us. Someone said this in my family, but it is way, way more offensive back then. You take Luke 14, for instance. It says, large crowds were traveling with Jesus, and turning to them, he said, if anyone will come after me and does not hate father and mother, wife, children, brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And so what Jesus is doing here, understand this, the invitation of Jesus isn't just to sprinkle a little Jesus in your life and just do whatever you want. You just stay in charge of it. It's really to abandon yourself completely and his lordship and his govern to be over you because you know in order for something for for you to be called out of something in order to for you to be called into something it's something called a kingship ties and so jesus says hate your family hate your blood family now when we hear that we're like my gosh that's 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 pretty intense but I, I encourage you just to even study what this word hate means. It's not an emotional hate. It's a volitional word. It means to detach yourself from some group and, and reattach yourself to another group. And so what Jesus is saying 
Is this family of mine is more important than the family that you already have? And so I want you to see this to Israelite society where the bloodlines were, were, were the, was the most significant thing about you. This is highly, highly, highly offensive. You guys see how radical this is? How it turns out to be? Because what Jesus is saying is you have this, this right here. This is a different family. John chapter 1. We, we, we've, we've read this scripture before. It says, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become what? Children of God. I mean, we read the scripture before, but I feel like sometimes we, it kind of loses its punch. Like, understand the next statement here. It says, children not born of natural descent, bloodline, nor of human decision, or what? A husband's will. Why would he even say a husband's will here? Because back then, he was the patriarch. Who, who, yeah, who had the fate of the household. And so what Jesus is saying, if you're a woman, if you're a wife in the first century, your attachment to, to, to the family as Jesus is more important than your, your husband and your father giving you permission. I mean, he'll later on say, you know, I've come to turn a daughter against a, a mother, and a mother against a daughter, and and a son against a father. You see, what I'm trying to drive out, in a culture where where the the most important thing was your family, Jesus comes along and he redefines it around himself. You take take adoption, for instance. It's such a beautiful picture that how it applies to us in the Bible. And in Romans, it says this. such a great picture right here. It says, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. We don't want to live in fear. Rather, the spirit you receive brought about you adoption to what? Sonship, daughtership. And by him, we, we, we cry out, Abba, Father. And so check this out. If God is our Father through Jesus, then the, what does that make the people sitting next to you? I mean, if we're a follower of Jesus, a true follower of Jesus, and we have a heavenly father in common, what does that make us? Brothers and sisters, right? Well, that just sounds like an old-fashioned picnic term, right? Brothers and sisters, hey, let's have some fellowship. But you have to understand, and, and, and what was written in here, in a culture that's written in here, what was the most significant bond? Brothers and sisters, because they shared the same DNA, and so what now is being said now is this whole radical redefinition of, of, of a culture that was in the first century. Namely, it doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter who you, what your genealogy is, what your name is. It doesn't matter that. What Jesus is doing now, he's making everything into one. Namely, that you're a son and a daughter of a father. And as a son and a daughter of a, of a particular father, a heavenly father, an Abba father, now you're brothers and sisters. And so now your primary allegiance is not to your blood family, but actually to, to his disciples. You see how significant this is? I mean, it, for some of us, this is huge because a lot, some of us, you know, we have some negative de- definitions of our family because we come from broken homes. 
It's great news. I mean, I, I came from a broken home. You know, my mom divorced my dad when I was two. My dad was murdered when I was four. You know, I, I remember growing up a part of my life looking to be a part of a family. And my mom worked, and, and God bless her, she worked awesome. I mean, hallelujah to my mom, you know. And that's why I, I commend single parents. I mean, she had two jobs. She did the best she could. But guess what I didn't have? I didn't have grandparents. I didn't, I didn't know my grandparents. I didn't know my dad's side of the family. I didn't have roots. So I go to college and get out of college, and as a single man, what do I start looking for? A family to be a part of. Relationships to, to be a part of. Amen? And, and I just think, you know, one of the reasons my wife and I love doing families' events together because we both come from broken homes. And that's the image, you know, the beautiful image of, of salvation in the Bible is this adoption into God's family. Because you're not, you don't have, your identity is not based on yourself or what you did, but it's based on God. And so the implication is what? That this, this right here, this church is a family. Amen? It's a family. I mean, you look through the Bible, there's household imagery all over the Bible. And you talk about Paul, for instance. I mean, Paul particularly uses, uh, you know, household ideas and th- that talks to us. And nobody, nobody did that. See, church, church is, is an optional consumer product, right? Where you have a weekly event, you have someone speak, and then you have a worship that's sung. And if you, if you like it, then you come back. That's what church is in America, no one's going home and saying, hey, was Jesus glorified? And say, hey, what did I get out of this? And so one of the reasons why I believe that churches are dying in America is because we do it for us and we don't do it for him. Right? Our attachments aren't to groups, it's to us. You know, how, what did I get out of this? If, it, if I got something out of this, then I'll, then I'll come back. And so what happens is we're, we're bouncing from relationships to relationships, groups to groups, churches to churches, and we're just skimming through that. But to, to be embedded, embedded into an identity of God's family, well, it's a messy family, right? Can I get an amen to that at least? Right? First Timothy. Uh, another saying the same thing, okay? So if, I have a, if there's a spiritual gift of, of saying the same thing over and over, I, I have it, okay? And so I'm using it ruthlessly, okay? Because I, I know what I'm competing with, okay? I'm competing with cell phones and text messages and lunch plans and stuff like that. So my, my weapon is repetition right now. First Timothy 3. It says, although I hope to come to you soon, I'm writing these instructions to you if I, if I am delayed. You will know how people ought to conduct themselves in what? God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the foundation of truth. Chapter 5, it says this. It says, do not rebuke an old man harshly, but exhort him as if he were your father. Treat younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, and young women as what? Sisters. 
with absolute purity. You, you see the repetition here? And so God's our father. This is a household, and, and, and we're brothers and sisters. That's the image that's given. You know, in the Bible, you have these, these statements called one another statements in the Bible over and over. And we're gonna, I'm going to just brush through them. I'm going to go through a bunch of them right now. But I want you to see this is how a family treats each other. This is how a family relates to each other. All right? So like I said, we're just going to brush through them real quick. There's a lot of them. So Galatians 5, 13. Serve one another in love. You know, Ephesians 4, 2. Or yeah, 4, 2. Be com- completely humbled and gentle. How completely is completely? <laughs> Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Colossians 3, bear with each other. Forgive each other. Encourage one another. Build each other up. Hebrews, encourage one another daily. Hebrews 10, may you spur one another. 1 John, should we, we should love one another. John 13, a new command I give you, love one another as I loved you. So you must love one another. Romans 12, be devoted to one another in love. Live in harmony with one another. Carry each other's burdens. You see this? Romans 14, therefore let us stop passing judgments on one another. Maybe we should just start there. Maybe this would be a good place to start. Romans 15, 7, accept one another. Ephesians 5, submit to one another. 2 Corinthians Finally, brothers and sisters, there it is, brothers and sisters, rejoice, encourage one another. Colossians 3, admonish one another with all wisdom. James 5, confess your sins to one another. 1 Peter, above all, love each other deeply. And so what you have here is list after list after list simply making the same points. This is how a family relates to each other. This is how families should treat each other. I mean, in your physical families, do you have an option to opt out? No. Those are your relatives, right? <laughs> this is what it is. And so what you notice here in this, you notice three things that have in common in, in, in all the scriptures that we're looking at. Three things that assumes. The first thing this assumes is this is a part of a community. And that doesn't mean you have Facebook friends. I mean, it doesn't mean that you have Instagram and, and, and Twitter followers. It means that being a part of a community is that you just don't exit out of a relationship because things get hard or things don't go your way. See, one of the, one of the worst things, I'm just being honest, okay? We're just, we're just having a heart-to-heart talk, okay? One, one of the worst things, you know, about my job as a minister is that people will come to me and, and tell me things that they don't tell anybody else. And, and I mean, I'll ask them, hey, ha, have you told anybody about this? And this is brutal stuff. And I'm like, no, only you. I mean, we aren't built to hold all this stuff by ourselves. We're, we're, we're not hardwired to carry all this stuff by ourselves. Now, we as a church, you know, sometimes we don't do a great thing when people come out of hiding, you know? We, sometimes we don't do a great, time, a great thing with messiness. I mean, we have to own that, right? 
But let us not pretend that the goal is that just you and Jesus to have this perfect relationship and that's it, just you and Jesus. You, you can't do that, it doesn't work that way. Salvation is in a community and by a community. And with that community, you, you gotta work it out. I mean, because the next thing all this, these scriptures assume is that it's messy. Why, why else would it say forgive each other several times? Because we're misfits and we're broken and we're messed up. And some of it has to do with our family and some of it has to do with us and what we've done to others. And so, you know, let's not idealize church, right? I mean, I'm, I'm a huge fan of technology. I love technology. I mean, technology is an expression of community. But, but how many one another relationships can you have online? I mean, how many one another relationships can you have for, for an hour here? Because what the New Testament is showing us, it embedded in this, is that this, this right here, is a household. And as a household, you know, we gotta work it out. It's messy. Amen? God's our Father. We're in a household. We're brothers and sisters. And we just got to work it out. We don't have a choice to, to choose our own kids. So whoever is a disciple, is a follower of Jesus, you're part of a family. I want you to understand this. It's not just showing up for some entertainment. Because I'll have people say, as a minister, I'll have people say to me, you know, hey, you know, again, I'm just being honest. We're, we're, I'm just being completely honest with you guys. People will say to me, hey, I'm leaving the church because I'm going to go to, I'm, I'm not getting what I, my needs are men. I'm not getting what I need. And I get that, you know. There's a lot of great churches out there. But the danger is thinking that there's another church that's perfect out there than the previous one that you're at. And if there's a perfect church out there, don't go to it because you'll ruin it, right? <laughs> there's no, there's, there's no, There, there's, there's no such thing, right? And, and so th this, this assumption, that the, the next thing that this assumes, I want you to get this, the next thing that this assumes is it, it's, it's totally worth it. It's so worth it. If we connect as a spiritual family, you put in the hard work, you persevere, it's so worth it. I mean, I just think the worst thing that we can do as a church is that we can put the, the young spiritually here, and we can put the old spiritual here, and then that's it. Because what do the young spiritually need? They, they might not admit it, but they need mentors in their lives. And what do the old spiritually need? <laughs> they might not admit it, but they need to be connected and help mentor some of our young Christians, some of the young coming to the faith. I, I know our mission is to help the world, but I think also our mission is to help those who are growing up in the faith. And I think the church needs a slant on helping those growing up in the faith. That's a beautiful biblical picture. You see, you see, we can't opt out of this. This is what we signed up for. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're part of a family. And as a family, again, you have to work it out. We need to work it out. Because central to the family needs 
Central, central to the family is preferring the needs of others. And nobody does that. Nobody. This is an entertainment gathering. I mean, that's how I look at it. You, you don't know how much hours I've put into a, 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 a half an hour lesson that probably two hours from now, you're not even going to remember. <laughs> and so we so miss it. We, we so miss, we, we misidentify this. Because we think of, oh man, I don't like how the worship is. I don't like how the teaching is. I don't, no, no. If a church is focused on Jesus, it doesn't matter how great the worship is or, or how great the preaching is. It, I just, I, I take offense. I'm ranting, okay? I'm just ranting right now. <laughs> because pe- people will say, people will say, well, hey, you know, I, I don't appreciate, you know, the, this type of teaching or I don't really... I'm like, what are you talking about? Or this type of music? I'm like, we, we have so much via technology of teaching on the planet. We do. We need you to commit to the local church. Invest in it. Financially give to it. Connect to it. And if you don't like the teaching, go on iTunes for an hour and listen to Francis Chan or Rick Warren or whatever you need to listen to. Whatever meets your, fills your need. But there's no excuse as a family of believers to, 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 who, who are imperfect and who are messed up, to not be connected. You see, many of us come, to, many of us come from broken homes. And this should be the place where you get re-grandparented and reparented. You understand? We need you. We need you. I hope you understand that. We desperately need you guys to stay connected. Because a, a family without grandparents and a family without parents, well, it's not, just not a family at all. I mean, this is central to me, my family. This, this is not about an attendance program. It's about how do you see yourself in this world? Are, are you alone? Or are you just connecting with just any type of group you want to, or, or do you really see this as your family? I mean, that's a question you need to ask yourself. I mean, I, I hope you guys realize we have hundreds, thousands of family members. I mean, Juanita was up here talking about Guatemala. We have thousands of family members. How, how do you see this? See, this calls into question our, our rampant individualism does to me, because I, I like preferences. I want things a certain way, and I want to hear certain messages, and I want things a certain way. But no, no, it's, that's not what it's about. See, Jesus gives us something far more grand and beautiful and so much more powerful. Because when he says, they will know that you're my disciples, let me see how he finishes that. You would, they would know that you're my disciples by... Uh, how many bumper stickers of fishes do you have on your car? No, it's not that. <laughs> they, they will know that you're my disciples by how many times you show up for midweek and church. No, it's not that. They will know that you're my disciples by the embodiment of family that you're a part of. Yeah. The, the way that you love each other. Right? Yeah. I mean, that's the biblical picture. And so if, if you're old... If you've been, oh, I'm not your old. If you've been, if, 
if, if you've been a Christian for a long time, <laughs> if you've been a Christian for a long time, we, we need you to stay connected. Amen. We need you to stay connected as a spiritual family. I hope you understand that. I hope you see that this is a family. You know, we, we need you to help the next generation. If you're young spiritually, if, if, or even older spiritually, you know, we need you to stop thinking that in terms of, of busyness, and I just got things to do. Because what you start doing, and I don't think you realize it, is that we start getting so caught up and, and things evolved around us and, and things you know get so caught up about us and what happens what you start missing out is that you, you you miss out a family coming along and being in the mess with you and you, and you, you, you miss out a family coming along and being the mother or father that you need or the brother and sisters that you need and I just think fundamentally that's what we need here as a church so we need to connect as a spiritual family you know, I think we need to see this as, as God's household, desperately. You know, some of us, some of us, we're brothers and sisters and we're not even talking to each other. We have attitudes and we're not even, we're, we're part of God's family and we're not even talking to each other because we have attitudes. We, we, we need to change that. If you have an attitude with a brother and sister, you need to get that resolved. Because what we just talked about, this is how a family treats each other. Yeah, we're messed up, but we work it out. There's some of us who are marriages are going through a tough time. We need to be connected. We do. And there's some of us who know that other marriages are having a tough time, and you need to be in there with them. You need to be in the mess with them. That's what a family is about. That's what Jesus is calling us to be. That's what the scriptures are calling us to be. There's some of us who, who aren't even connected to, you know, right after church, you're out of here because you don't want to be connected. And we're, we're called to be connected as a family. I'll, I'll end it with this. You know, I, I just want to challenge you with three questions. Do you see this church as, as my family? And if you don't, why? Do you see it more as an entertainment gathering or just showing up just to get your needs met? Or do you see it as, you know what, this is my family. It, it, it makes so much the difference. The next question is, what are areas that you need to work on to build relationships? And I just talked about it a second ago. If, if there's some relationships you need to work on building or get resolved, we need to do it. Not for ourselves, but for God. We, we, this is how, what are some areas where you, you feel like, hey, I, I need to really go after being a part of someone's family. Pull someone aside and say, I need relationships. I've been there. I've been in the back not wanting to connect with people and not wanting to talk to people because I'm in sin and I don't want to deal with something. I've been there. But we, we need to build relationships to be a part of God's family. If we're going to call this a family of believers. And the third thing is how can I connect more and help more? I talked about this too. What are areas where I'm not connecting? 
could be in your group. It could be just in general. You're just not connecting because you're just busy. How can I help more? How can I invest in God's household? Because this is what God wants. This is what the scriptures talk about over and over and over again. And so I just want to challenge us as a church. This is challenging for me. But we got to look at this as our family. Amen? Amen. So what we're going to do, we're going to pray, and then you'll be done. You get to go to your lunch and do whatever you want. (laughs) But uh, let's go to God in prayer, and um, and we'll be done. Heavenly Father, um, we're so grateful to be a part of your family. I think sometimes we don't we, we miss it, we don't see it. And please forgive us, God. Help us to be in the mess with people. I, I pray for the needs of our, our spiritual brothers and sisters who are, who are going through some challenging times right now, God. Help us to be connected. Help us to see you through this time. Help us to understand that this is your household and Help us just connect with one another, God. We desperately need to connect with you. We desperately need to connect with each other, God. I just pray we can just be the family that you want us to be, God. We love you. We thank you for every blessing that you give us because you give us so much. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. You guys have a great day, okay? A good week. Thank you.